Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Every spring training is exciting. The dawn of a new season and all. But during those years on the calendar when the World Baseball Classic is part of it or something very special. So we've got a special edition of the Park Adjuster Rockies podcast this week dedicated to the WBC. Manning's in Phoenix and sat down with Rockies Hall of Famer Larry Walker, who's part of Team Canada's coaching staff, and Rockies broadcaster Ryan Spielborgs, who both share their thoughts on the Classic and what it means for baseball. But first, we're joined by writer and broadcaster Tyler Mon, who was behind the mic for Group A Pool in Taiwan. Tyler shares his stories from that amazing experience. All that in one show, and it's coming up next on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back right after this. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. It is World Baseball Classic time, wedged right in the middle of spring training. It's a great time of year, fun time to get the Team USA stuff out and cheer for the for the red, white, and blue. Manny, you've been down in spring training. Our, our guests have been in spring, done in spring training. Everybody participate in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, it's got to be a great thing to watch. It's been a lot of fun. Um, the World Baseball Classic, uh, Tyler's been closer to it than I am. I'm, I'm here for spring training, but I was able to get down to Chase Field for the pool, some of the pool C stuff. It's been uh, it's been pretty electric, pretty amazing. And I can only imagine what it was in uh, Taiwan with our uh, guests. We're thrilled to have Tyler Mon. Tyler, I know that uh, this has been a dream come true for you, and I'm really happy for you, man. Congratulations. And also just, um, you know, well-deserved, long time coming. But you, uh, tell us, first of all, tell us how special this was for you personally. Oh, guys, first off, thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. I've uh, I've been a big fan of both of yours for a very long time. Manny, you and I got a chance to, to nerd out together uh, on baseball stuff at dinner a couple summers ago at the All-Star Game. Yeah, and, that was a lot of fun. Um, so much fun. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate it. This is super cool. Uh, yeah, this is, I mean, this was kind of the the dream assignment for me. I have been uh, an international baseball nerd for a long time, specifically a, a world baseball classic nerd for a long time. I, back in 2006, the first classic, uh, my college friends and I, I was, I was in school at that time. <clears throat> we decided to make spring break uh, all about the WBC and spring training. So we uh, flew from Lincoln, Nebraska, where we were in school to San Diego, my college best friend's hometown. And we um, first did a, uh, 
uh, first round game between the U.S. and Korea at Angel Stadium in Anaheim. Then we drove to, to Phoenix and Tucson. We did spring training games for a week. And then we went back to San Diego at the end for the, the semis and the final for that first classic. And we just made it a tradition after that. We went to 2009 uh, Dodger Stadium, 2013 in San Francisco, 2017 wow, that's in cool. Los Angeles. Uh, so I've caught every semifinal and final to this point, which has been awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I've been. You were, you were there in San Francisco back in 2013? Uh, it was oh man, I wish I knew you then. I was there for that one. <laughs> it's so weird, man. The uh the yeah. baseball crossroads that you have with people are super fun. Yeah, so kind of made this into a um a tradition. And uh, I've worked in in international baseball in various sort of capacities since 2010. I I helped launch the Australian Baseball League. I worked for the work for the team in Sydney uh, that first season, and then worked for the league for I think five years after that remotely from over here in the states. Um, the first season I was living in, in the Sydney area, but, uh, came back and worked remotely, um, got into international broadcasting in 2015, uh, with the premier 12, um, uh, which is sort of the, the baseball governing bodies version of the world baseball classic, uh, the world baseball softball confederation that came up with premier 12 for the top 12 ranked national teams in the world back in 2015. So I did that. And then that led me into doing all kinds of world cups, the women's world cup, U23, U18, U15, um and it's been it's been just a dream so to have this assignment come along was uh i mean uh it's it was indescribable to me i think i used that word eighty-seven thousand times last <laughs> week in taiwan and uh and that's how it's felt a couple questions for you tyler real quick um i just i finished a book with don august my former teammate in milwaukee who spent five years in taiwan and told him some amazing stories about his time in taiwan but i want to ask you about the facilities because he played when he played this a long time ago obviously late nineties, he was there, but the facilities then weren't great. They were, you know, dirt infields and stuff like that, but the fans were incredibly passionate. What did you see out there facility wise and how was the reception from the fans? It's, it's amazing. I mean, um, at Taijung Intercontinental Baseball Stadium, where we were, um, it, it feels like a very modern ballpark. It's not the, not the newest one in the league. And they're actually in the, in the process of finishing off a brand new dome. In how, how many leagues do they have now? Because that back then he, he was in the beginning of the first the Taiwan major league. Yeah. He was right at the beginning of that. Yeah, so they uh, Taiwan's had a very complicated baseball history over the last 30 years or so. They had um, a, a league that was shut down due to a gambling scandal. Right, uh, right, right. That league was brought back. There was a competitor league. Those two leagues merged, um, and it's gone through waves. But the, the one thing uh, that's always stayed constant is that Taiwanese baseball fans are obsessed. Um, they, they love the sport. They love the experience. They love the games. Um, and they are as passionate as any baseball fans or any sports fans, really, that I've come across uh, anywhere in the world. So um, I've done games, I think, at five different stadiums in Taiwan now for various competitions for um, Premier 12. We had the U23 Baseball World Cup last year in, in uh, Taipei. Um, we had a lot of rain that week, so we actually ended up moving a few of well, the they games. Fixed the field and they, played anyway. Stuck it out. <laughs> it was uh, yeah for for the. They're WBC tougher than us than us wimps out here exactly. in uh, the yeah, United absolutely. States. Uh, for the WBSC events, they're a little bit stricter about, um, you know, the the going forward with play, even in the elements, especially because there are so many affiliated players and, um, you know, and all that uh, considerations for major league organizations. But, yeah, it's uh, it was amazing. The the playing field at, at Taijung was incredible. Murray Cook, who is the uh, 
you know, the baseball field guru with Major League Baseball. He spent a whole bunch of time out there um, along with Kevin Murray, who's uh, sort of his right-hand man. Um, those two guys, you know, Murray has built baseball fields all over the globe. Murray once built a mound in the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, <laughs> wow. a tour of minor leaguers that went over there in the late 1980s. Um, and so they, they made that field into, you know, big league standard. Right. Um, but it's great. And yeah, it is really interesting because there's, uh, you know, there's a range as far as the stadiums go, but they're very, um, I would say high minor league level in terms of the facilities right now. Um, and intercontinental was incredible. And the fans, I mean, I've never been, I've been fortunate enough to do games in Korea and Japan and Mexico and, um, you know, kind of all over the world in that atmosphere uh in taiwan last uh, week the like noisemakers in the stands and the whole let me let me ask you let me ask you a question mark um was that was was it taiwan where uh don august almost got thrown out of a building yes. or something yes it was the it was the, by gangsters it was, it was the point shaving or the the gambling scandal at taiwan yeah. <laughs> i talked about it was tyler's nodding his head he's like yeah that sounds they, about right. they approached him about it um he refused he was in the tall he was in a nightclub up on a 10th floor of a nightclub and the place vacated and he and he he had to get on the elevator with a bunch of other people, and he said, "I knew if the elevator was going up, they were going to throw me off the roof. But if <laughs> and if the elevator was going down, I was in the very front. I thought somebody's going to put a wire around my neck and and cut my head off. So he was he was legitimately scared when he turned the gangsters down uh, multiple times. To, to oh, we're happy to have Don. We're happy to have Don still around with us. <laughs> Tyler, uh, you have just described how you have watched baseball blossom over the last decade or so. Um, in Taiwan in particular, but just um, internationally, this game has grown. Uh, it's been an international game for a long time, but it is just seeing some, I, I feel like, explosive growth. What has been um, your experience in, in that realm of things with regard to just seeing baseball just, you know, really coming of age in other other countries? It's been amazing to watch over the last, um, you know, especially since I got started really in 2010, um, watching, you know, how the Australian Baseball League has continued to grow and thrive. Um, That's know, really cool, by the way, that you helped start that thing. That's great. Yeah, and it was amazing. We were six teams at the time. It was all centrally owned. Uh, now that league is eight teams. They've got private ownership groups, um, and it's a lot more locally controlled and all that. And, you know, things have, have changed and evolved and grown. Um, but to see that league, I know there were a lot of times in the early season where a lot of people thought, oh, that league's not going to last. They're not going to make it. And the fact that they're still there, you know, coming up on 15 years later is is amazing. And it's a testament to how hard people have worked to make that sustainable and make it last. Um, I think right now, you know, honestly, the World Baseball Classic has been in an unenviable position over the last decade plus because it's never gotten a chance to establish a foothold, uh, I think, in the the American sports landscape, because first it was 2006. They wanted to get it off the same track as Olympic years, so they moved it to 2009. Then it was 2013 and 17. Those were great. 2017, Adam Jones's catch, the U.S. winning, that really legitimized the event. But then all of a sudden, we were two days away from the start of the qualifiers for the 2021 Classic when the pandemic hit. When they when they postponed the qualifiers and then later the Classic, there was a lot of discussion as to whether or not it was going to come back at all. Wow. Uh, and not only did it come back, but it we went into this classic knowing for the first time that we would have another classic behind it because part of the collective bargaining agreement for for this year, this round was that we'd have a classic in 2023 and there would be another one in 2026. So we'll go to qualifiers again in 25. 
um, and the event again in 26. And the way Major League Baseball has promoted this one this time around, um, you know, the constant drip feed of roster commitments and uh, uniform unveilings and storylines and all that type of stuff was incredible this time through. Uh, And the interest generated has been off the map. I mean, the the enthusiasm for fans around the globe, but especially here in the United States, where let's face it, I mean, just uh, in terms of the financial sustainability of the event, it's really, really important. Um, Fans have gone bananas for it this time through. And, uh, you know, we're only a week in. That's what's so exciting to me is this is we're not even to the point. We've only got one quarterfinal team uh, that has moved through, and that's Cuba. And they won, you know, two hours ago. They knocked out Australia as uh, as of our recording time. And so um, we're just now getting to the good stuff, really. Watching that evolution over the last decade plus has been, uh, it's been incredible. That leads me to my next, I think, obvious question. Um, People always say, well, it'll never be as big as the World Cup. And I think that's obviously true because the rest of the nation, you know, world doesn't play baseball. But the World Cup has a stage to itself. I'm wondering if baseball, given the the, the, the penchant for rule changes now, given the idea that, that that it used to be baseball didn't do, make rule changes, it was very stodgy. Now they'll change on, on a dime almost. Would they ever consider, ever even consider doing what the NHL did, shutting down the season, midseason for a couple of weeks, scrubbing the all-star game for that term, and then and playing the World Base Classic in the middle of July, which would be epic if they did it. it. It would be. And, you know, selfishly, as somebody who loves this event, somebody who loves international baseball, I hope that that would be a consideration. I'm not sure if it would. Um, I think the players, honestly, would be up for that. I agree. Um, I, I don't agree. know if ownership would be, and that's right. where the sticking point would be. But I think the players, especially as – and Ryan Roland-Smith, my incredible color guy uh, in Taiwan, he and I had this conversation. What really enabled the World Baseball Classic to start being a big-time event is the fact that players fell in love with it and then convinced yeah. other players to be part mm-hmm. of it. Um, that's yeah. what Major League Baseball needed. They need the players to buy in, sure. and players have bought in, I think, more than anybody else in this event. Um, so I think the players would be open to that. Um, it would be a question of whether or not ownership ever would be, but man, I mean, you would get, you'd get the NPB players, you'd get the KBO players, you'd get the CBBL players yeah. on board instantly. And they're already on board, but if they were able to do that in the middle of their seasons and be in mid season form, uh, what an incredible thing that would well, be. You got, you got to find a way to, to make yeah. up the extra games you missed, but the NHL right. does, did it and it right. worked. Um, exactly. and for and the Olympics used to get longer. It goes into November now anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think if you started, you know, a week earlier, uh, and, and were able to get, I mean, think of all the double headers space that you would, yeah. yeah. And the calendar space that you would occupy. I mean, you'd yeah. essentially be mid February to mid November, yeah. uh, for baseball. If you wanted to do that, I think it would be incredible. And the quality of play, if we got the classic would be, in July, yep. would be stunning. Yep. Uh, I mean, it already is, but it would be better somehow if you were to, if you were to move it to that stage. So mm-hmm. I'd be anxious to see if there's a discussion about that down the road i think after 2026 um with the event firmly stamped in the international calendar there would be the opportunity to have those conversations and that would be i mean that would be incredible tyler tyler you you your story uh, in terms of getting the call this game or getting a call this uh this pool in the, in the tournament i feel like uh, in some ways mirrors a lot of uh, some of the cool uh stories that we've seen come out of this tournament all around um obviously I mean, come on! You got a you got a pitcher, a, a little known guy from Nicaragua who strikes out three of the greatest pitcher, uh, greatest hitters in the world. Juan Soto, including, might be the best hitter in the world, and then gets signed promptly by the Detroit Tigers. And and you have, um, you know, you've got Italy playing exciting baseball, Israel, just a lot of good stories. Um, honestly, a lot of heartwarming stories. Are, um, and uh, e- even locally, we have this this kid Michael Peterson who came out pumping a hundred. 
people are like, where'd this guy come from? He's 28. We haven't seen him in three years. Like he's striking out Nolan Arenado on a hundred. So um, what has been your favorite uh, story so far to come out of this? A hard, hard question to answer. I know. And um, what has been your feeling about just how everything kind of, sometimes things just fall into place. And that seems like this year, everything fell into place for this, this classic. That really is how it feels this time around. Um, it's, it's as though, you know, all the storylines conspired to be incredible this time through yeah uh, you know even cuba and cuba's story i'm not going to get into to geopolitical things but cuba's story is very yeah. complex the fact that, that they're welcoming expat players defectors back onto that roster for the first time and now they made it through to the semifinals that story is incredible just from a sports story landscape do you bring in Yuan Mankata, um, Luis Robert, you know, the, the guys who are pitching in Japan right now, along with local guys, along with a legend like Alfredo Despagne, who's never played uh, Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball in the U.S. And you have all those guys get together and they looked rough. The first two days in Taiwan, they looked listless. They looked lost. Uh, and then all of a sudden that switch has flipped. They've won three straight. They're going to Miami now, which a Cuba team playing in Miami. Anyway. Oh, yeah, it's going to be nuts. Um, you know, so that story is amazing. The the pitcher from Nicaragua is amazing. You know, the the players that we saw in the, the Panama City qualifier from Pakistan, who yeah. there's literally, as they told us, there is one baseball field in the entire country. It's on a U.S. Wow. airbase. And to play baseball, <laughs> they have to go onto the base, play their games there, do practice there, and then go back home. You know, South Africa players who were not able to practice at night because of electric uh, power grid roll uh, blackout rolling uh, situations. Um, you know, those guys getting all together, trying to do their work during the day before the, the rolling blackouts hit. Those stories are amazing. There was another story that was incredible. And Marcelo Afonsin, who's one of the, the catcher or one of the, uh, the coaches for, uh, the Argentinian team, they ended up coming really, really close to qualifying. Um, they got knocked out the last day, second to last day, uh, of the qualifier in Panama city. He told us a story about Andres Kim, who was a guy who literally the coaching staff in Argentina was just searching for players looking through the internet, trying to find baseball players who were born in Argentina or had some connection to Argentina. They came across this guy, Andres Kim. He had never, he had not played baseball in three years. He had played in college. They sent him a DM on Instagram and said, Hey, are you the Andres Kim that we found a player page for? Were you born in Argentina? Would you be interested in playing? Um, and the most amazing thing was they, uh, they responded. He responded. Uh, yeah, I'm available. Uh, and was <laughs> really interested. Uh, not only did he go to Argentina, take part in in the the player workouts and getting to you know be part of that team he became the starting third baseman played really really well and after the tournament he got hired by the pittsburgh pirates uh as a minor league coach and a guy who now uh is living a dream and gets to work in that organization he uh he speaks korean so he works in the pirate system as kind of a korean interpreter for some of their players does some other coaching stuff but that's the thing that literally changed this dude's life via an instagram dm that says like Hey, were you born in Argentina? Would you be interested in, in playing? That's somebody who was out of the game of baseball. You know, that Czech team of guys who are, are firefighters and geography teachers and salesmen. And they were as lovable a cast of characters as I've ever come across in baseball. Um, the stories are what make people fall in love with something like this. And the stories are incredible. And, you know, the stories go back to the early days of the classic. I know in 2006... Yeah. Peter Moylan, um, who was uh, on the Australian roster, he hadn't played affiliated baseball in almost 10 years. He had gotten released uh, by... He got back into the big leagues, right? Yeah, he got back into the big leagues for 10 years. And it was because when he was originally released out of pro ball, went back to Australia, dropped his arm angle down, all of a sudden he's throwing low 90s. And he got approached to be on the classic team, and he thought, you know, I'm pitching in a beer league. There's no way I'm throwing low 90s from like a submarine sidearm angle. 
He goes to the classic Bobby Cox season, falls in love. He ends up in the big leagues, pitches 10 years in the big leagues, went through multiple Tommy John surgeries. Um, those are the things that people love. And uh, in order to make a sporting event um, relatable to human beings, you have to find those human angles that are inspirational. And the classic just drips with them from team to team. Uh, even with the, the most talented teams, the U.S. and the DR and Japan and all that, you know, you look at what Lars Newtbar is doing right now with that. Yeah. That Japan yeah. team, and it's it's incredible, um, and that's what really makes you fall in love with an event like this. Um, Tyler, you would be, I think, um, I don't know if you've given this any thought, but you would be the perfect candidate to um, write the book on the the BBC and 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 these stories and all of this because you've been, you know, you've you've been there, you've done that, you've seen it, you have a instant, you you have like an encyclopedic knowledge of it, um, so. You know, I would love to see a book from Tyler Mon about the history of the classic, all the great stories, how awesome they the, the implications, yeah. you know, uh, geopolitical for yeah. Cuba, yeah. for individual players that, yeah. that ended up getting missing, you know, being out of the game for 10 years and getting back and some of the cool stories. So think about and, that, and you, man. That would be fun. You can also be the lobbyist to get the get, get this event moved to the summertime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. You can start pushing that, pushing that agenda. That really is a great idea. I mean, it's... um. It just is an event that is unlike anything baseball has ever seen before because the big time international baseball competitions previously didn't have big leaguers. Um, as everybody's aware, right, the Olympics, yeah. you know, the old baseball the Cup, premier 12. Um, and this just changes the game and it does it in a way where people realize for so long, the conversation was, well, if big leaguers were available, you right. would dominate everything. And that wasn't the case. I mean, the first uh, yeah. three classics, the yeah. U.S. was largely extremely disappointing, and they made it yeah. to the semis, um, but never played for a championship, and they were not a team that looked like they cared as much as everybody else. And that 17 team, they flipped yeah. the switch, and not only did they make it where they won, but they ignited this USA Baseball fan base, and they did it in a way that inspired other players. You know, Mike Trout being first and foremost, the guy who all of a sudden turns into the captain who's recruiting everybody else to be part of this event. Um, Manny, that's a that's a pretty damn good idea, man. I might, uh, I might do it. This. That is <laughs> do it. Absolutely, I would love to see that and read this. Read all. I mean, this is this is a taste of what you're you know what you're giving us here is a taste of it. Yep. Um, I think that it would be. Tremendous. It'd be great to see that. So that would be very, very, very cool. Tyler, before we let you run, because I know you got, you got unpacking to do and you got to get <laughs> your time clock back in order here. Um, did, and Manny, I'll ask you this question too. Both, both of you have been, have seen some of these games. Color Rockies players. Um, have Tyler, did you see any? I don't know, Manny, you saw a couple. What are your early impressions about what we've seen from guys, along with Michael Peterson, obviously, who are, represent or work for the Colorado Rockies? Yeah. I mean, I've got a story coming out on Peterson. You know, I spoke with him. And just try to get the backstory, you know, like what's what's it what's going on, man? How 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 is it that we've never seen you, you know, and 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 most people have never heard of you, and suddenly you're on a world stage and you're, you know, you're showing this kind of stuff. So that was cool. Um, Kyle Freeland was very good for three innings for the U.S. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think um, uh, Alan Trejo, I uh, didn't follow him as closely. I think he got. I mean, I, I, he was obviously playing for Team Mexico. Um, a lot of former Rockies, I guess, were were prominent um, either on the coaching staffs or, or I mean, Nolan Arenado has been the MVP for the U.S. so far. So um, that's what I saw. I think uh, maybe Tyler's seen some some more of the uh, international action. So I wonder if he knows anything uh, further. I think I think there were five Rockies, maybe five or six Rockies altogether. Yeah. Out, yeah. 
Yeah, there haven't been a ton. Um, you know, I will say one guy who I didn't get a chance to talk to, but um, who has been amazing in in advancing the World Baseball Classic agenda this year is Justin Lawrence. And yeah, uh, right. you know, I talked he just with, got back. Yeah, uh, I talked with you know some managers of that coaching staff, Luis Ortiz, the manager for Panama. And I said, you know, Justin Lawrence was really Panama hosted the qualifier in Panama City in October, um, and Justin Lawrence was very vocal even before that qualifier started of like, hey, if they make it through, I want on that team. Mm-hmm. And I said to to Luis Ortiz, like that's a guy who born in Panama, moved away when he was really, really young, but he still carries that flag. And for a major leaguer to be talking about the World Baseball Classic qualifiers was so legitimizing for that aspect of the event. And Luis Ortiz gave me this awesome answer. He said, yeah, I mean, Justin Lawrence may not have lived here for super long, but he is as Panamanian as anybody else on this roster. His parents are both Panamanian. He's born in Panama. He's wanted to be part of this for a long time. And to have a major leaguer vocalizing that, before we even got to the main tournament was so amazing. Uh, And he looked really good. I mean, he looked really good in Taiwan. And obviously Panama didn't make it through to the quarterfinal, but Panama does not have to qualify next time around. There you um, go. That's a huge lift. Yeah, and that's massive because they had been in the last three qualifiers. They had their hearts broken in the final game uh, in 2012 and 2016, so they make it through. They don't have to go through that qualifier route next time. That's huge. And to have somebody, um, you know, like Justin Lawrence, um, Kristen Norfio is on the uh, the coaching staff for Italy, a uh, guy who's been the manager with AA Hartford, you know, and someone that Mike Piazza said, I'm really going to rely on on him and another guy, Blake Butera, um, who's a, has been a minor league manager in the Rays organization, is now a field coordinator in the, the Rays organization. Uh, those guys have played pivotal roles for, you know, you got a Hall of Famer who's the manager and the humility of somebody yeah. like Mike Piazza to be like, hey, I'm not adept 100% at being able to manage in this type of format. I'm going to rely on these guys. That's amazing. Um, and, yeah, it's cool seeing uh, seeing some Rockies guys having an impact uh, in this event and, you know, being able to get an experience that otherwise they would never get uh, in the baseball world to be on a stage like this has been has been pretty awesome to see. Tyler, we really appreciate you joining us. We'll let you relax a little bit. I'm sure you'll be following the rest of it on, on TV. Are you, are you traveling again? Are you heading back to Arizona or anything? I am. I'm going to go to Miami just as a fan. I'm keeping the tradition alive with my college friends. My fiance is going to be with me this time around. Um, so we're, we're headed down on Saturday. We're going to be there just as fans for the semis and the final. Uh, so pretty excited for pretty excited for that to get to nerd frequent, out. And frequent flyer miles you're racking up right now. <laughs> you're racking up right now. No kidding. Hey, we Tyler, thanks, man. This has Thank been a Tyler. pleasure. A really, really fun. This We're gonna awesome. have, of course we'll have you back on for yep. for Rockies and other it. stuff, but uh, we love uh, we love talking with you, and this was really great. Thank you for giving us kind of that inside view of um, uh, of what what was going on um, in in Pool A and just the overall kind of aerial. 30,000 foot view of how cool this classic has been. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for thinking of me and for having me on and uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. Take care. Manny, you've got uh, some stuff you did with some very prominent Rockies figures down at the World Baseball Classic. Why don't you tell us what's coming up next? Yeah, we've got uh, Larry Walker, the Hall of Famer himself. I uh, was able to sit down with him. He's the uh, He was the first base coach for, for Team Canada. And I think he's much more than that. I think he's probably kind of given some hitting tips here and there. He's always around the cage and everything else like that. So we talked with him and um, also Ryan Spielborgs, who did uh, uh, WBC on MLB Network Radio. So uh, he had a lot of cool stuff uh, to talk about as well, similar to what Tyler has mentioned about some of the great stories that have come out of this. So that's coming up. All right. We'll be right back with that. Stay with us. This is the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We'll be back right after this. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. 
We're back on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. I'm here with the Hall of Famer himself, the great Larry Walker, uh, at the WBC. Larry is uh, coaching with Team Canada, as he's done for more than a decade now, um, and he's been in WBC's past. Uh, Larry, first of all, thanks for sitting down and uh, chatting. And also, um, what is it that um, gets you excited for uh, putting that uh, Canada across your chest? Well, I think it's the same for everybody. Uh, you know, it's, you're representing where you're from, right? So being born in Canada, with, along with all these guys, for the most part, um, it, it's, a, it's a chance to come out and put your country's name. It's, it's a big thrill. And even though I'm not out there playing, uh, I still get that honor uh, of being part of it. And, and I tell you, it's, it's a different celebration when you win. You know, we've won the last two golds, and the last three Pan Am games, we won two golds and a silver. So so that celebration and that feeling is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a... It's a great thing to have, and you know, when you got a whole country cheering for you, uh, it's, it's different than a whole city. Well, you know, it would have been a problem. Uh, let me ask you this. When Justin Morneau was on the team, what happened to 33, and wh- who wore it? Uh, Justin wore it. I wore three. You wore three? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, gotcha. He's gotcha. out there playing. I'm just, I'm a bum standing at first base. So. <laughs> okay. This year, that's not a problem. You've got the 33 on your back, and um, you're getting some love on the telecast, certainly, and, and deservedly so for um, your Hall of Fame career. And um, Speaking of Hall of Fame careers, Todd Helton uh, is going to very likely get in uh, on the next ballot next year. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is, is due to you breaking down the barrier of Coors and of the Rockies, you know, having a Rocky in the Hall of Fame. And um, I think people are much more, um, they, they, they get it now. They understand how great some Rockies players have been that they kind of overlooked in the past. Uh, how does it how does it make you feel when you see the support that Todd's getting and, and that he's going to join us in Cooperstown? Yeah, no, I look forward to that. Um, you know, uh, look forward to being behind him and heckling him while he's up there on the stage doing <laughs> his go. speech. So it's uh, you get to be the heckler this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Than when you were at the, up there a couple of years ago. Exactly. He can see just how nerve wracking it is because I know he doesn't like doing that stuff either. But yeah. uh, no, I said right when it happened. You know, uh, shortly after I went in, uh, a few months after, I did some interviews and we talked about that and. That was one of the things I said. I said I, I, I look for Todd's numbers to go, you know, spike high now because it's finally busted down the door. So uh, definitely a big help for him, and uh, even without me, he's uh, deserving of it. Um, you you said busting down the door, and you have done that multiple times for the Rockies franchise. You were the first and still only MVP in 1997, uh, first and currently only Hall of Fame from the Rockies organization. Um, is that a spe- is that something that's a, a, a special source of um, pride for you that for, a, for one of baseball's organizations you are I mean obviously a lot of people will look at Todd rightfully as you know he spent 17 years there and everything but uh, you are the first to do so much for that franchise and how does that kind of uh, sit with you? Oh uh, well, I honestly don't think about it. I guess yeah. you know it's. Um, uh, I, I'm just like the other guys that suit up in a uniform, and that's how I think about it all. You know, I just happened to be uh, a, a, in the game earlier, so I, I had that opportunity. So, but it doesn't make me any more special than anybody else that's put on a Rockies uniform. And and those 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 records and numbers will all go down one day, so we'll all forget maybe, about them. So maybe, I think I Todd know. Todd took a lot of them with him already. So I don't know about the road <laughs> single season road OPS. I, that one, 1997, your OPS on the road was higher than it was at home. You had 29 out of your 49 homers on the road. I think that's why it was an embarrassment if you didn't vote for Larry Walker for yeah, yeah. in 97, and that's what broke down that door. Um, but some of your, um, what are some of your fondest memories? This is the 30th anniversary of the Rockies. They'll be doing a lot of looking back. And um, what are your fondest memories of uh, wearing the Rockies uniform? 
Well, for me, you know, making it to the wild card, the first year of the wild card in 95, uh, it'll, my answer never changes on what's your favorite season or what was your favorite time. And it never varies from when you times when you make it to the playoffs and you get to celebrate with your teammates. For, for me, they're the MVP season and batting titles and all that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't even compare to having walking in the clubhouse after you've clinched and there's plastic everywhere and champagne being sprayed in your eyes. None of this stuff anymore where they put the goggles. Well, they're all a bunch of wimps now. They put goggles on. It's ridiculous. You got to feel that sting in your eye. You know, it goes away. That's it's not that really doesn't blind you've, you. You made it. Yeah, no, right. that's the best feeling. So. Yeah, no, they all suit up now, and uh, yeah, somebody needs to rip those off their faces and pour that <laughs> champagne right down their eye sockets. This is why you need to start coaching in an organization, so you can be the one to do that. Yeah, I yeah. tell you. Have you ever given that any thought, it's, uh, now that you've done this for a while? No, you know, I don't. I, I feel like I'm not good enough to, to relay everything I learned and what I did. Um, and, I, and I don't know why. I think it's just because I was an, a natural athlete, and I was able to pick up things very quickly and easily and, and for guys that struggle um, I get at a loss for words on how to get them to that you know third or fourth stage you know I can help them along at the beginnings and everything but um, you know, like I say it's tough to work with somebody's swing or overhaul somebody's swing some guys need it even some guys in the major leagues that I could say some names right now that need to change their swings because they're not working so you know these guys are all at a young stage right now they're here most of them and, uh, and and their swings are still developing. And you know, for me, the smartest thing I could tell them is swing at strikes. You know, hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports, and it's even harder when it's four inches off the plate. So yeah, it's so. Um, yeah, I was talking to Mike Mustakis yesterday. He's uh, the Rockies picked him up because they need some help with that. Uh, Brandon Rogers went down, but um, he worked with Marlon Bird in the off season, and apparently Marlon Bird is this like slugger whisperer that you know that I didn't even know he was doing this. He did it with Justin Turner. He turned Justin Turner around, and apparently he's turning uh, Musakis around. But there's a lot of value in, in former. Uh, I feel like in former um, uh, ball players who had success, even if they're not in a coaching position, mm -hmm. they're, they're helping people out. And I was watching Griffey. Uh, we have the two 1997 MVPs here. By the yeah, way. yeah. We've got you. We've got King Griffey Jr., who's the head coach at, with Team USA, and um, kind of just saw him just working with guys. And um, yeah, I wonder how much of it is just uh, confidence thing. Well, that's, a th that's the other thing I've talked about. You know, their 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 swings are fine. You know, and like I say, I don't if there's. If I don't see anything, I don't say anything. You yeah. know, it's it's uh, sometimes it's better what you don't say. Exactly. In, in years past, I had some hitting coaches that really just flapped their gums all the time, and, and <laughs> it was just too much. It was system overload, and you know, I don't I don't want to do that to these guys. They need to go out there. They're they're good hitters, and uh, and hitting a baseball, like I said, is hard. And if you do it correctly, thirty percent of the time, you're you're pretty darn good. So. So it's, it's tough to go out there and, and think you are going to have a good swing every single time. So it's just trying to get these, I, I like to prefer them to get their the, the goofy thing between our ears that gets in the way. And you know, if they can get mentally correct uh, with the game, that's, that's going to be a big success for them. So uh, the, the rest of the game is there. Uh, and, and once they can learn to hone it and learn to accept failure, then they'll, 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 I think they'll go farther. And not obsess over it, right? I mean, there, there are some personalities, I feel like, in, in the game that, and, and, it, and it helps them and serves them well in some areas, but not in others, where obsessing over their shortcomings or whatever, getting back in the cage, just like wearing it out and just being there all the time, but that can also be a bad thing, I feel like. And I know during your career, you sometimes had to unplug, right? You just had to kind of, you want to play top golf or did what you needed to do to get away from it so that you could reset. Yeah, no, it's, uh, 
if, you, if things are going bad, the worst thing you can almost do is do more because yeah. you, you're in that bad stage. Or else you go in the cage and you're in there for too long. You get tired and just things don't. Uh, yeah, things just don't go the right direction. So, you know, like for me, I didn't I didn't get caught up in watching videos and breaking down my swings. Um, I watched videos, but it was me getting hits. Like I said, you know, I'd go in there and watch me getting base hits and hitting the ball hard and and just building more confidence up to put the good things in my head instead of the negative. So. You know, the, uh, I think the negative things just beat you down, and uh, you get in there and in situations, and you think about failure. Right. So you know, if you always go in there and think about success, even when you fail, it's right. uh, it's a lot easier on the mindset to, to, to play the game. One thing I learned from you um, over the years that you you said was, I never got too high, but I never also got too low. I was I was always kind of within that vacillating between just kind of around mid-range, you know, in terms of how I felt about things. I'd ask you, like, when you were hitting 400 in July of 97, how did you, like, what were you thinking? And you said, I'm either going to get a hit or I'm not going to get a hit. And, some, you know, that year you said everything, you know, the, the bleeders went through, the hard hit balls fell, umpires didn't get you out, you know, stuff like that. And um, so I guess sometimes is it the case that guys can't, even have a hard time coping with success and then they put even more pressure on them when they're actually having success to keep it going yeah no for sure i mean you know there's even in other sports you know there's some quarterbacks that i've seen have great success at a college level and next thing you know they're doing commercials and then all these endorsement things and then you know they get on the big stage and they completely flop you know so it's uh so it's just a matter of, that's why i say keeping keeping things equal and uh I think you, people walk up to me and they, I say it to them all the time. They say, "How you doing?" I say, "I'm average." You know, that's my answer back to them, and they look at me like, "What?" And that's kind of what it is. You know, it's the same thing as when I played. Yeah, you can enjoy the success for that little moment and and, and live it and celebrate it. And you can watch my career. My, when I failed, I you know sometimes I go in the dugout and break my bat on something, but I was over it. Yeah, I got it out and I was over it. And I went right. You know, it was a quick dip and then right back up to that average line so it's just a matter of being able to, to balance the two of failure and success and, and keep it at a, at a happy medium. And I'll let you go with this one. Um, you um, played in the United States, had a Hall of Fame career. Um, you played uh, with the Rockies for most of it. You came up, obviously you're Canadian and you're representing your country so obviously you, you want to see your guys win the most. Um, but you also, you also uh, love Mexico. You also um, uh, again, played in the United States. So if you guys don't win, we want to see uh, come out on top here. Well, preferably nobody from our pool, I guess. Yeah, that would, yeah. So that would take Mexico and the U.S. out of right, it. Right. So you guys get advanced. That's true. Right. But uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, the, that reminds I, me. I got to ask you about Shohei and what Japan is doing, man, and that guy. Yeah. No, he's he's unbelievable. And I can say, I mean, I, I know in years past they've given co-MVPs, you know, th those have happened before, and I thought last year was a perfect scenario that oh, yeah. Shohei and, and Judge could have easily won co-MVPs for the seasons that they both had. That. That so that, that was, I thought that was a failure on Major League Baseball's part. That would be a good idea. Yeah. So um, not even, nobody from this pool, I guess, but uh, I mean, Japan's going to be tough to beat. No, they're going to be really hard. Uh, I know the Dominican had a power lineup too. Um, you know, once maybe once they figure it out and put it all together, they'll be a powerhouse as well. But 
you know, I'm no different than anybody else. I like to cheer for the underdogs, right? So, so you hope some of these uh, other countries that can, you know, you know, Israel one time made that great run. It was fun to watch them. You know, Italy is Italy's moving on. It's kind of fun to see that. You know, just Great Britain being here was uh, yeah. was nice to see that. So it's it's nice to to see uh, you know the game develop and bring in different countries like Great Britain this year. Was I thought it was great. Larry Walker, the great Larry Walker. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. it. Back in the park, adjusted Rockies podcast with the one and only Ryan Spielborgs. Spilly, uh, you've been doing uh, radio coverage of um, of these games, uh, and uh, this has been an amazing event. I mean, I, we've seen just incredible energy here. Uh, that USA Mexico game the other night was sold out, and most of these games have had you know upwards of forty thousand people in the park. Um, how does this energy? Uh, how is this? How has this uh, felt to you? And also, how has it been uh, kind of being able to? Uh, call these games on the radio. It's been an honor to call the games on on radio. Uh, I I didn't know you know you, you kind of you don't realize that you sign up for sometimes you know like oh I'm gonna go do WBC it'll be fun we're gonna do two games a day, but then you you get into it and you see the stories and you hear what guys have gone through. I mean yeah. Adam Lowen for Team Canada last night. You know he lost his wife three years ago. Yeah. You know he started. When he was 19 years old, Team Canada against Team USA, and you know, ends up striking out Kyle Tucker and walked off the mound with in what's likely to be, you know, the last time he ever he ever pitches. So, like that stuff's real. That's human emotion that we don't get regular season. You, you get in a tournament like this, and to be a part of it, and to know the stories. I mean, there's so much coverage going on. John Palmarosi. Uh, Kim he, this it, is, he told me that he told me the other day it's like his Christmas. <laughs> I yeah, it. well, it, it is. But I mean, you you see how the players play, you see what it means to to represent your country, your country's colors. You know, it really boils down to not the name on the back. You always hear that cliche, and uh, in this case, it's real. Like it's real. These guys are are really playing for something more than themselves, and it's it's fun to see that from from especially from major league players. Uh, where they don't always do that. Well, that's the thing, right? This is like, this is almost like, at least on the lineup side, for sure, like the, the baseball's answer to the dream team, right, from the basketball. It's like unbelievable lineup, and all these guys said yes to doing doing this this year. It's made for an incredible tournament. Um, just being around the guys, uh, being around the players, particularly the, the big leaguers who are out here, what, what kind of vibe have, have you sensed from them? Vibe? I mean, they're, they're having the time of their life. Yeah. I mean... And this is different. I, I've said it about that team. Like that's an all-star team, and they've been in all-star yeah. games before. But they play one game, and they're with each other for forty-eight hours, and they walk the red carpet, and that's they don't, they don't have any interaction. This they're they're breaking bread. They're practicing together. They're working uh, in the cage. They're grinding. They're you know they're. I watched them. I watched Team USA on Wednesday on a workout last week at Papaga, which is like the new spring training facility for uh, Giants minor leagues. It, cars are driving by, really not paying attention to what's going on on this backfield. And, and they took infield outfield. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it was like one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen in that you had Mookie Betts in right, Mike Trout in center, Kyle Tucker in left. They're hitting their cutoff, man. You have an infield of Nolan and Turner and Anderson. And just and, the backstop in there, you know. And they're they're you know they're calling out plays and and like JT Realmuto, he said he hadn't taken infield outfield since he was 12 years old. Really? So like, 
to see that and know that that you know game of catch that they just did knowing that they're they're going to talk about that when they're older they're going to like hey we were in scottsdale arizona and we took infield outfield and there was nine you know there's possibly nine future hall of famers or it's at least be, borderline close to it it's gotta be surreal to be there when you're yeah. watching that that's basically what you're describing that's a, i'm telling you 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 just witnessed something that you know you're not gonna going see to see again yeah. so that i mean that's that was the part where you know you kind of have a couple pinch me moments we've had a couple great britain winning uh, yeah. their first game for their country where they they have like a they have a fund of like 50 grand for their wow, for entire really? club team. Yeah, it's nothing. And so, like you watch a team win a win their first WBC game and they the uniforms. Yeah, yeah they falling off. But it, that's that's what this tournament spent. Yeah. And um, and how about the guy who gets signed? <laughs> he gets signed by the Tigers yeah, after exactly. striking out three of the greatest hitters in the world, right? Yeah, and you had a kid from the Czech Republic that struck out Shohei Otani throwing 79 That's miles right. an hour. Electrician, right? So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, this this tournament really kind of brings something special out that we don't normally get. And, you know, the fact that it took five years to get here because this was supposed to happen in 2020, and, you know, the, the wait has been worth it. I'd be remiss, uh, shifting gears a little bit, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the Rockies. Um, they've had some tough breaks here. Um, early this spring, obviously Brandon Rogers going down for what likely will be the season. Um, although it might be Rockies look pretty good so far. Um, what, what, do you, what do you make of the early developments in camp and how the outlook is looking for 2023 with, with respect to what they're trying to achieve? I, I mean, I think this year's going to be, if you, if you really look at it through like unbiased, clear eyes, it's a chance for a lot of players to prove they belong at the major league level and to figure out what the core group looks like. Yeah. Um, I feel know. like that's what these next couple of years are. It's basically this transition of how does it must we need to figure out like who we are and then build around that. Yeah, and I also think in the case of, of Bill Schmidt, now you're you're three years into the role and, and some of the some of the aspects of what he's trying to accomplish are coming to fruition. You know, the, the Rockies R&D department has grown yeah. uh, in the last two years. It's it's gotten uh, to a place where it's it's still not the Dodgers. No, but it's it's a step in that direction. So I, I'd i like to see growth in a lot of different areas. I think defensively, that would be the first thing. I mean, yeah. that last year they were dead last in defensive that efficiency. That was just really unusual for the Rockies team to be dead last in yeah, they, they, like that that can't happen, especially if you play a course field. So, I, I mean, if I'm looking at this year, I want to see growth in defensive abilities. I, I, I'd like to see, you know, them play better quality outfield defense. I, th I think all the attention to detail is really important. I mean, the watching what the Houston Astros do, they come out every day early work with Altuve and Bregman and their outfield every single day and that's a world series team you know if colorado wants to get to that level the attention to detail has to be there uh, and so for young players that's usually lost on them so that i would i would say if i'm a rockies fan i would look first and foremost not at the win-loss record because yep. that's that's not going to be, be good it's not gonna, we don't know what it's going to be but defensively is something you can you can impact and you can improve upon Billy, thanks, man. You got it, man. Enjoy the rest of the WBC. All right. Good stuff. What a joy it is to see baseball blossoming on the world stage. 
the World Baseball Classic has truly arrived. If the 2017 tournament was the experience that truly brought the WBC into the broader sports consciousness, the 2023 Classic, after a six-year hiatus due to the COVID-19 pandemic, has cemented it as a can't-miss event that puts the finest game ever invented before the world in all its splendor. As we discussed with Rockies legend, Hall of Famer, and Team Canada coach Larry Walker, MLB Network radio broadcaster and beloved former Rocky Ryan Spielborg, and the great Tyler Mon, who called the Pool A action from Taiwan, this is the classic that we'll remember for all the incredible individual and team stories that gave us chills. Whether it's the discovery of hidden gems like the Nicaraguan pitcher who struck out three of the greatest hitters on the planet, Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, and Rafael Devers, to the inspirational stories of underdogs like Team Italy, baseball's crown jewel international tournament has delivered in a big way, and we're not even through the first round. Here's to more incredible moments ahead over the next week as the WBC heads toward the championship round in Miami, and here's hoping Tyler writes that book chronicling the event from its earliest days to the heights it has reached nearly two decades later. Many puts the wraps on a really big W for the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Rockies Hall of Famer Larry Walker, AT&T Sportsnet's Ryan Spielborgs, and of course the man who's about to write the book on the WBC, Tyler Maughan, for making this a very special episode. And as always, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.